Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Hey, clones. How y'all living? Still not better than me because day two in the new digs was just as good as the first, and we had a ton of show. Tiger Woods is back again. No, really, again. And that means that Tiger Hawks are back again. Credit to Tyler and Edmonton, though, for coming in and copping to his Tiger addiction and ripping the huge call. And the Lakers took Golden State to overtime last night, but the champs pulled out the win. Steph, Katie, and Draymond were not the MVP, though. That was PR legend Raymond Ritter, who dropped some straight fire postgame. And on top of all that, Drew in West L.A. tried his best to, <clears throat> well, flush this show down the toilet. But you can bet your ass I didn't let him. Alvy, flip that switch. The Daily Jungle starts now. Tiger Woods is trending. So if Tiger Woods all of a sudden out of nowhere is trending, either he bounced another car off a tree, or he got with a Perkins waitress, or he picked up his bats and he's trying to play golf once again. And the reason he's trending is because of that guy. Everybody knows that guy. Every office has that guy. You know who I'm talking about. The dude who slid into the office today rocking a red polo. He's at the Keurig, working on his air golf swing like a complete bag while his jet fuel brews. He's hammering refresh on Twitter, looking at the other bag in the office who's also wearing a red polo, doing the exact same thing, and throwing fist pumps every few minutes because Tiger Woods is back again. No, really, again, he's back. He's already teed it up. He's already on the course of the Hero World Challenge. And it is his first competitive round of golf in nearly a year. So that means Tiger Guy is back again. And it's almost like Tiger Guy himself has been on the range hammering an extra large bucket because he's as sweaty and thirsty with anticipation as Eldrick is who told everybody and anybody that this particular comeback is different than all the rest. Now that I'm feeling the way I'm feeling, it's just hard to imagine that I was living the way I was living. Um, with my, my foot not working, my, my leg not working, and then you know the, the hours of not being able to sleep at all because of the pain. You know, I'm not even sure what's worse. What he's selling or the fact that every tiger honk is mainlining it. Right, so let's be clear about this. Right now, for the update, he's minus one through five. He's two shots back. Minus one through five, two shots back, scrambled for a 14-foot par, and all the honks just lost their collective bleep online. Let's be clear. Tiger's not back because he's playing in a no-cut, invite-only, 18-man golf tournament in the Bahamas. That's what this is. This is not the U.S. Open. This is not Augusta. It's a no-cut, invite-only, 18-man tourney in the Bahamas. He's not back because he's walking the fairways with reigning PGA Player of the Year, Justin Thomas. He's not back even if he's treating this weekend like a major. And not the extended vacation and free paycheck like 17 of the other top 30 golfers on the planet playing in a tournament that he would never get an invite to if he wasn't the one licking the stamp himself. All right, so stop it, all of you. All of you. That includes you, Hawk. That includes you too, Arnold. Stop doing this to yourself. 
Let me do you all a favor. If you've got kids in your car, I need you to turn the volume down for like 10 seconds. And this is not a kid's show anyway. But if you're driving somebody to school or the kids are with you, turn the volume down for like 10 seconds so I can be real and then turn it back up. In terms of real, Santa is not real. Neither is the Easter Bunny. Neither is the Tooth Fairy. And until proving otherwise, neither is Tiger. Until he proves otherwise, he's just a 41-year-old with a bad back who does not play nearly as much golf as he used to and not nearly as well as he used to. Basically, he's like every other 41-year-old you know, only more busted up. So I don't want to hear that Ricky Fowler said that Tiger is bombing it past him in practice rounds. I don't care. Stop bringing up that Brad Faxon said that Tiger outdrove Dustin Johnson on like half the holes they played last weekend. Stop telling me that he just rolled in a 14-footer. Stop telling me he's only two shots back and minus one. None of this matters. None of it. Neither do all the cliched answers that he spit out at that presser the other day. You know, the one that you Tiger honks were lapping up like degenerates and addicts. Even if this guy is able to grind his way through four whole rounds of golf at a wide-ass open track in the Bahamas that he happens to know like the back of his hand, don't come in and tell me it matters because it doesn't. About the only good thing going for him is that all he needs to do is stick a peg in the ground for 72 straight holes and then he'll move up 250 spots in the world golf rankings. That lets you know exactly how far the cat's fallen. That he's barely inside of the top 1,200 golfers on the planet. Again, that's awesome. Being one of the top 1,200 golfers in the world would be amazing for any other balding 41-year-old divorced dad with a penchant for getting with Perkins waitresses. But it's not so good for a guy that used to look like a stone-cold lock to break all of Jack Nicklaus's records. Remember, it's not, is he going to run down Jack, but how far past Jack will he blow by? So again, honks, I'm not going to tell you what to do, right? Enjoy yourselves. Do what you do. Just relax. Then talk to me when your man is on a golf course on a Sunday when it actually matters, competing for something that matters, because this is none of those things. How can that be that important to you? How can you get that hyped on that? How can that matter that much to you? I'll never understand it. And by the way, people who matter are that hyped up on it. It's not just honks in red collars or red polos at work. It's people who actually matter who are tweeting about how awesome this is. What's awesome about it? Trust me, he's not back. That guy left a long time ago. In reaction to Tennessee via the email, Jim, I have acquired a super secret audio from that meeting between the Vols Boosters and AD John Curry. When Curry was asked why he hasn't been able to find a coach, he responded, Oh, hey, oh, what are you going to do? Oh, hey, oh, what are you going to do? Hey, oh, hey, oh, what are you going to do? Hey, will anybody take this freaking job? Oh, hey, oh. Jack in La Habra, but currently working in San Clemente. All right, Jack. Thanks for the update of where you are, Jack. Always nice to know. We don't need to track jets to uh, Knoxville because none are going there. But it's always nice to know where you are, Jack. Rome. Damn. The Tennessee head coaching job keeps appearing in my Indeed and LinkedIn feed. 
It says, now taking applications for an immediate opportunity, opportunity, leading a major college football program, no football experience necessary, apply today, interview today, start your new career today. Amazing bonus potential. I think I'm going to do it. Sheldon and Boise. You might have to because nobody else seems to want it. Mark in Hollywood is in. Watching Tiger putt for par in this made-up tourney was 10 times better than watching those other nameless dudes do nothing in a major. Hashtag straight fire. Come on, Mark. Stop trolling. Don't be a troll. No, it wasn't. No. Let's talk about the 2017 major winners. Quote, those other nameless dudes do nothing in a major. Sergio Garcia, not a nameless dude. U.S. Open, Brooks Kepka, not a nameless dude. British Open, the Open Championship, Jordan Spieth, not a nameless dude. PGA Championship, not a nameless dude. I mean, in effect, what you're saying to me is you don't know anybody in golf other than Tiger Woods. What else do we have? Randall. In the OC tweets. That's it, Jim. I've had your back for a long time. I'm going to stop right there. That's true. Randall has had my back for a long time. And by having my back, I mean he stalks me and my family. Randall has had my back. I wonder what I did to get on the wrong side of him. That's it, Jim. I've had your back for a long time, but you've gone too far this time. Find yourself a new EP. Signed, Hawk. Oh. If Hawk hasn't walked out that door yet, he's not going to. He's taking plenty of heat. He's still here. He's a glutton for it. Stuck nuts even in. I hope Tiger's comeback goes better than Fabian's second call yesterday. Fabian, Los Angeles. Talk to me. What is on your mind? Doggy dog. I swear, Rome, it's the most... Oh, man. Okay, okay. Clones, can I get you to give me just a moment so I can talk about Stamps.com? Listen, these days, you can get practically everything on demand, such as our podcast. Listen whenever you want, when it's convenient for you. So let me ask you. Why are you still going to the post office and dealing with their limited hours when you can get postage on demand with Stamps.com? Anything that you can do at the post office, you can now do right from your desk. As an example, the holidays are coming up. My wife, Janet, is all about the Christmas card. We send out hundreds, literally hundreds of Christmas cards, and there's no way we could do it without Stamps.com. I'm going to print my own postage. I'm going to do it when I want and do it at home. Trust me, with the holidays coming up, you should do the exact same thing, and you'll thank me for it. Go to Stamps.com, hit the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Jungle. That's Stamps.com, enter Jungle for a special, special offer. A four-week trial, which includes postage and a digital scale. Do not wait. You want to go to Stamps.com, and before you do anything else, hit the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Jungle. That's Stamps.com, enter Jungle. Stamps.com, never go to the post office ever again. I know I won't. That's Stamps.com. Now it's back to our daily jungle. Paul Christ is the head coach of the Badgers. He joins us once again. Paul, it is so good to have you on the show. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, Jim. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate so it. So great to have you on, Paul. Thank you. So we're two days away from kickoff in the Big Ten title game. So how have you gone about approaching this week in this game? Do you try to approach it like it's any other game or because of everything that's at stake? Is that just not possible? Well, I think that you, you want them to approach it as not any other game because this is one that you know, you, you play the season and you earn the right for this one. And certainly it's a big deal to play for 
you know, the Big Ten Championship. And so you want them to appreciate that it didn't just happen, that you know, a lot of work went into it, and they've earned the right to be here and, and obviously play against a really good Ohio State football team. And, and yet I think it still does come down to you get to and you have to. Um, it's all about the game and playing the game. And I think all of this, you know, there's so much talk and, and you, you love the, the interest and all that, but really all that matters is that you try to take full advantage of the opportunity that's at hand. And for us this week, it's playing against Ohio State and playing for the Big Ten Championship game. You know, we'll talk about that matchup in a minute, but when you look at Saturday, when you beat Minnesota 31 to nothing, it capped off the school's first undefeated conference schedule since 1912. That's a really, really long time. Quarterback Alex Hornibrook was 15 for 19, 151 yards, and three touchdowns in that win. So let me ask you about him. What did you make of his performance on Saturday? I thought Alex was really good, and I think he's, you know, certainly done a lot of played really at a high level in, in so many games and, and times. And, and certainly like any other young sophomore, there's you know he's had mistakes and he's had things that he'd like to do better. And and I think Alex is like a lot of guys in this team. You know, they're doing good things, and yet there's room for growth. And and you want them to you know kind of approach each week, how can I get a little bit better? And I think that's what you know Alex has done, and I think that's what this team has done. And, and so he was really – he was good, and yet – as as everyone knows, it's it's not just him. I thought you know, guys made plays around him. You know, and contested catches, and you know, protection was good. And it's the same thing. You know, anything that we're doing, it, it takes others. And so, um, Alex was good, and, and certainly we're going to need him to be, you know, at a, playing at a high level to to give ourselves a chance against Ohio State. Paul, Chris, joining us. You know, one of the others was Jonathan Taylor, Big Ten Freshman of the Year. He's had a monstrous season for you. He needs 120 rushing yards to break Adrian Peterson's freshman FBS rushing record. I mean, I'm guessing that you knew that he'd be good, but when he first arrived on campus, did you ever expect a season like this from a freshman? Oh, I mean, we, we were excited when Jonathan came here, and, and you certainly had an idea, you know, when we're in fall camp that, that he was, you know, everything that you'd want to have in a back. And yet, you don't know, and there's so many firsts, you know, for Jonathan as he's going, you know, first year in college, and and you know what I've been impressed with is certainly what he's done on the field, but how he's handled himself, and, and obviously he's got a great background and and came in as a heck of a person, and he stayed that, and he's he's humble, he's hungry, he's confident, and you know I think what it he's really shown is the the ability to be consistent, you know, and not just talking about consistently in games you know just each day the approach and you know just kind of being on top of things and he you know, never one of those freshmen that kind of hit that the wall that so many of them hit and so you appreciate who he is and, and what he's doing it's been fun to see and, and like you said we were we thought you know we were really excited we thought well he's really talented but you never know um how kids are going to grow and how they're going to come into college and adapt to college and so it's been uh, it's been fun to be around Wisconsin and football coach Paul Christ joining us before the Big Ten title game so you know a lot about Ohio State obviously as you watch film what is the thing that concerns you the most about the Buckeyes you know they're they're a really good football team and they've got talented football players and I think they're really well coached and and you know schematically certainly you know their offense presents certain challenges for our defense and and their defense, you know, some of the things they do, you know, our guys got to be locked on. There's there's challenges in that, and and you know, you can say the same with specialty. But I think it's you know, it's a well coached team that's got really talented players, and 
and I think they're playing at a really good level right now. And so, um, you know, I think we've talked all week, you know, there are players you certainly got to know your opponent and understand it, but each week we've talked about it. In the end, it comes down to you and your approach, and, and then you get to go out and play a game, and it's competing. And, you know, there's times when you got to win your your one-on-one individual battle, and yet at the at the end it's it's which team can make more plays than the other. So our guys, we've had a good week of preparation. Our guys understand the challenge, you know, that Ohio State brings, but it's also an, it's an opportunity to play a really good team for the Big Ten Championship game. It's, it's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. Of course, Ohio State quarterback J.T. Barrett left last Saturday's game against Michigan with an injury. Are you expecting to see him on the field Saturday? Yeah, as you, as you know, we don't know, and, and yet we are expecting it and preparing for it. And, and he is a heck of a football player. And, and really what he's done over his career is so impressive. And, and, and yet, you know, you've got to prepare for, you know, more than just J.T., but certainly he's such a big part. But, yeah, absolutely, we've prepared for him and, and – um, you know, I think our kids feel good with the plan, but you got to go out and execute it. And we got a couple, couple more days to finish up our preparation, but uh, we do expect him to play. Wisconsin football coach Paul Christ joining us for a couple of more moments. You know, when you and I spoke back in August, we talked about the fact that you would name Jim Leonard as your defensive coordinator, despite the fact that he had only been coaching for one year prior to the season. Now he's been named one of the five finalists for the Broyles Award, which goes to the top assistant in the country. You've known Jim a long, long time. How impressed have you been, though, with the job that he's done this year? Well, I think, you know, Jim has done a great job. And, and you know, I think we might have even talked about it that time, Jim, is that, he doesn't have to do it alone, and uh, I, I think that we've got a great defensive staff. You know, Tim Tibisar does a heck of a job, and he's been here. You know, we've been together now for three years, and Anoka Brechterfield, our defensive line coach, is tremendous, and, and Bob Bostead. And so, you know, Jim has been really good, and and our staff has been something. And, and you know, we all know that you get some of these national awards and conference awards, you get them because of team success, and, and I think that, you know, that's why I think that I got what I got, and Jim's getting the recognition he's getting, and our players are, because, you know, we've got a good team, and it takes a lot of people to, even for those individual awards, but Jimmy's done a great job, and he's been fun, and, and I think it's still credit to certainly him, but the staff, and then most importantly, it's the players. They're the ones playing the game. You know, Paul, that conversation that I mentioned that you and I had back in August, it was also a few days after you announced the linebacker Jack Cicci would miss the season with that torn ACL. Despite losing him, the defense is in the top two in the country in points allowed, yards allowed, rush yards allowed, and pass yards allowed. What have you made of the way that everybody on defense has responded and rallied after losing him? That's exactly what they've done, Jim. And it's it's fun to watch, and you're proud of it. And it, it's You know, that's hard to do sometimes for kids and they I think what the defense is you know we've got a lot of guys that have played you know a number of big football games and, and there's experience there and I think we've got a lot of good players but they're they're a group that's certainly talented enough but they're having fun playing and I think they they care about each other and they they want to make plays to help the team and, and that's the other thing I think that they do really well is they trust that there's other good players around them, so they just focus on doing their part. And and when you get that, you know, where they're trusting it and kind of just putting it all out there, and it's um it's been fun. And like I said, our guys are excited because we know this is going to be a heck of a challenge. It's a different one, you know, the the way that they run their offense and and the things they do, we haven't seen an offense like that. And so they're 
excited for that opportunity, knowing it's going to be tough. But it's a, it's just a group of guys that really love playing. I think they're talented, but they love playing the game, and they love playing it kind of next to each other, for each other. And um, that's that's what's been most fun to see. And even Sitch, you know, has been around, and, and you know he hasn't taken one snap this year, but he's involved, and I think they, they care about each other. You know, I'm glad you mentioned that, Paul. I was gonna, I was gonna finish it up, but since you mentioned that, let me just ask you really quickly. He has been around. He's been on the sideline. He's been wearing a headset. He's doing everything that he can to help his teammates. When it would have been so understandable for him to be down and depressed after an injury like that. So, what's it been like for you to watch him deal with the injury and the adversity the way he has? Well, you're certainly proud of his response and how he's handled it, and yet. You know, like last week, he's from, you know, played high school football in the Twin Cities. And, and you know, we were talking to him and said, this is a tough one for you. And, it, you know, and, and you know that he'd love nothing more than to play with that group that we're talking about. It's a fun group to be around. And, and, and Jack loves playing the game. He's, he's old school that way. It doesn't matter if there's, you know, 80,000 people in the stadium or no one. He, he loves playing and competing. And so I think he's done a heck of a job of kind of, taking maybe not his frustration, disappointment, all that, and just not making it about himself. And he's truly, and it's not just with the linebackers. It's not just with defense. He will try to help any kid on our team. If he sees something, he's going to try to share it with them and, and help them. And so it's uh, it's impressive to be around because uh, he could certainly be feeling sorry for himself. And it's, he's put the team in ahead of that. And it's uh, that's why he's important to have around. Let me start with the Lakers and Warriors. Let me start with one individual, Raymond Ritter. Yeah, I said it. Second day in my new studio, and I'm starting a take to start the show by name-checking the greatest PR person in the history of professional sports. No, strike that. That's not right. The greatest person in the history of professional sports. And I'm doing so with good reason. Because after Golden State's 127 to 123 win over LA in overtime, I am not prepared to declare Warriors Lakers the hottest new rivalry in the league, but I'm not ready to rule it out. And it starts at the very top. And by the top, I mean the Warriors PR staff, who, according to the Mercury News, had a sheet of paper printed up for Luke Walton, which read, all-time Warriors interim head coach winning list first, Mike Brown, 12-0, 1,000 winning percentage. Last, Luke Walton, 39-4. Burn! Mike Brown first, Luke Walton last. Look, I don't know who worked that up. I don't know if that was the legend himself, Raymond Ritter, or if it was the work of Matt Dinesnara or Brett Winkler. Or Michael Ravina, but I just know I love it. And I'll be honest, I love that and I love that game last night. Brandon Ingram going up against the guy that he's frequently compared to, Kevin Durant. And more than holding his own. A career-high 32 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 steals, 2 blocks. KD had what Steve Kerr called a KD game with 29 points, 7 boards, and 5 assists. And the three that sent that game into overtime. Warriors have not lost consecutive games often under Steve Kerr. Could happen here tonight. Durant catches, loads up a three, got it, and nail the top side. We're tied at 109. 44 seconds to go. KD in your pocket. That's a good thing. 
Warriors Radio on the call. Good night, though. Good night across the board. Lonzo going double-double, 15-10, and 10, including him scoring on three straight possessions. Over to Ingram. Right back to Lonzo for three. Good. Lonzo gets a much-needed three, and the Lakers cut the lead to one. 63-62, Golden State. Ingram dribbles against Durant, goes around Durant, somehow kicks it to Lonzo. Another three by Lonzo, good again. Lonzo's hit back-to-back threes, and the Lakers lead, 65-63. Ten in the game for Lonzo Ball. Here's Lonzo dribbling down the middle all the way, lay it up and in. Lonzo Ball has eight third-quarter points, 12 in the game, and the Lakers lead by four. He's up, not a bad game at all for him. Lakers radio. You also had Draymond talking junk to Luke Walton during the game. Steph Curry battling a finger injury, and he scored 13 in overtime, including a pair of threes in the first minute. Draymond, they look for KD. Draymond spaces the floor well, gets it to Durant. Now to Curry, fakes, steps out, takes a three. Got it, Curry, from downtown. Andre to Curry. Right side, another three for Steph. Got another one. Back-to-back triples for Curry. 115 to 109, 402 to go. And the Lakers call timeout in OT. Like I said, a pretty good night. I mean, granted, Golden State did not play their best game. They were way too loose with the ball, something that made Steve Kerr insane. Kerr said, quote, tonight was absolutely galling. There were some mind-boggling plays out there. I don't know what to tell you. We've got to be able to take better care of the ball and make better decisions. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But from a Lakers standpoint, I thought they showed flashes. Look, I'm the ultimate scoreboard guy. I'm not into moral victories. The whole point of keeping score is to look up at the end and see who won and see who lost. The Warriors won. The Lakers lost. But if you're a Laker fan, you can't tell me that you're not pumped by what you saw last night, especially since they were without Kyle Kuzma. The kids stepping to the champs and not backing down. You can't tell me you're not fired up, Laker fan, seeing Ingram show up the way he did last night. This guy's getting better and better and better. But it felt like he took a big step forward last night, a career high against KD and the best team of this era. So you've got my permission. You can get hyped on that. You also have KD's permission as well. As a player playing against him, I hate to see it, but if I was watching the TV, I'd be really excited for him. I hate to see he's learning and getting better. That's true. That's all true and a reminder that he turned just 20 a couple of months ago. Now, of course, the icing on the cake would have been a game winner in regulation, but I'm not going to sweat that. They played well enough to win. They just didn't win, and the champs did what champs do. They found a way to win when they weren't playing their best. I'm not saying that everything is good in Lakerland. I'm not saying it's time to bust out the car flags yet, but the kids might just be all right. I'm not looking for moral victories. I'm not looking to hand out participation trophies. But if there is such a thing as a good loss, then that's what that was. We talk about it in horse racing all the time. They ran a winning race. They came up just short, but they ran a winning race. So that's a good night. Delaney Walker is my guest. Delaney, great to have you on. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Really good to have you. Hey, let me get you to go back. First quarter of Sunday's game against the Colts, Marcus Mariota hit you with that 37-yard pass into crazy coverage. In fact, I'm not sure what was better, the throw or the catch. Can you take us through the play? What did you see? And then how fired up were you to make that play? Uh, basically, you know, I started in the backfield to see what coverage we was going to get and try to get the over front set to the right, uh, which we did. So you see me motion up on the line. 
uh, single high. That's what we was looking for. And if you really look at it, we only had two guys running the route, basically. Um, so he he really didn't have no choice but to throw it to me. Um, as you've seen, four or five guys running with me. Uh, really, uh, Marcus put the ball in the perfect spot. Uh, was That's what gave me the ability to just go get it. Um, if he didn't do that, I mean, any other way, they probably would have broke it up. So uh, it was all Marcus. Well, it was it was all him. It was actually both of you. It was a great play. Now, when you <laughs> scored on Sunday, you dropped down. You did some chest compressions and CPR on the football. Was it something you had planned, or was that just a spur of the moment thing? It was like a spur of the moment. I I don't even know why. I, did, I didn't even know where it came from. I'm just thought up like um oh, we we're big, we're coming back. And it was basically like oh I'm putting um, air in us, keeping us alive with this touchdown, and. uh it kind of blew up. Everybody, you know, I guess liked that celebration and uh, it's talked about, but it, it was a spare of the moment thing, and I'm kind of glad I did it. I like it. Me too. Delaney Walker joining us. Now, you're absolutely legendary for your use of the stiff arm, but after Sunday's game, you were saying that Derrick Henry might be the king of the stiff arm now. Now, was that just you being happy and generous after a nice win or and maybe something you'd like to have back, or are you officially handing the crown to Henry? You know what? He, he kind of took it from me because, <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I like the stiff arm, but Derek, his stiff arm is vicious, and it's like constantly guys get hit with it. And I said in the paper, I said, basically, he's, he's, he became the king. I gave him the crown, and now I'm the hand. You know, I still can stiff arm, but he does it a little better than I do. And, uh, you know, I, I'm going I'm to try to get it back, though. I'm going to try to get it back. That's a crown. Like that. Yeah, that's a crown you should battle for. And, I mean, you've been doing this a long time. You've been doing it for a long time, and that stiff arm is something that fires up your teammates. So what's your reaction when you see Henry dropping guys with a stiff arm? Does that fire you up in return? Of course it fires me up. I'm a, if you hear me on the side, they got me mic'd up. I'm like, run it again. <laughs> right. I just want to see him stiff arm somebody again. And I feel like guys are really scared to tackle this dude, honestly. Delaney Walker, my guest. Now, after the loss to Pittsburgh, you talked about the fact that you were a bit frustrated with the offense that was not clicking the way that you know that it can. Coming off the win over Indy, do you feel like the offense is closer to breaking through? I feel like we're getting there. I still don't think we at the point we should be at. Um, we got guys on this offense that can make plays. We got the quarterback. We got the running backs and the O-line. And uh, sometimes I'm just disappointed that we're not, we not winning games by more points. You know, uh, the last uh, uh, – basically mostly all the games we have won have been three or four points uh, or more. And uh, I feel like we should be doing putting more points on the board. You know, is there a certain positivity to it in the sense that maybe you're not clicking on all cylinders, but you still have one five of six. So what's to say about the team in terms of its toughness and its ability to find a way to get a win when you have to? That's the thing. Even though we're not, you know, clicking the way we should, we still win a game. So imagine when we put a, a perfect 60-minute game together, we can put points on the board. And all it is is just a few minnows here, a few guys not really being where they're supposed to be. Once we get that together, you know what I'm saying, it's, this offense can be great because our defense is at running at all cylinders. And, uh, you know, at the, to be honest with you, they keep us in games. And uh, I'm glad to have a defense like that. Delaney Walker is our guest. Now, every game is big, but when you have a division opponent like Houston in your place on Sunday to start off the final five games of the season, does this one feel even bigger than most? Of course. It's a a divisional opponent. Um, We need this win to get on track for the playoffs. 
And I just hope everyone in this locker room really understands because the coach is putting it out there that this is a big game. It's a big game. We don't care what they record are. They're in our division. This is going to put us up in the playoffs even higher. Um, so we got to get this W. I'm you know, excited about this week. It seems to me, and you just started the thought, that in the past few weeks you've dropped a couple of tweets that are about, I think, this topic, right? Seizing the moment. As an example, there is the Charles Dickens quote, my advice is never do tomorrow what you can do today. Procrastination is the thief of time. Call or him. So do you feel like you've got an extra sense of urgency at this point of the season? And is that the message you're trying to spread throughout the locker room? Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. This is the year that we have an opportunity to go to the playoffs. Let's not wait till tomorrow when we can seize it today. And that's all I tell the guys in this locker room. Seize it today. Do what you can do to get better today. If that's studying extra, if that's getting in the cold tub, if that's getting treatment, you do it today. Don't wait till tomorrow because we won't. We don't know what what happens tomorrow. You know that's blind to us. So um, that's the message I'm I'm sending to all these guys is do it today. Yeah, Delaney, and, uh, you, you've we'll been around be a long time. You know this, right? You've been around since 06, and so you've seen everything. You've done everything. I know why you've got that sense of urgency. Like the young guys, do they look at you and kind of nod you up like, yeah, I got it, I got it, old head, I got it. And, but do they really have it? Until they've been through what you've been through, can they really understand how important all those little things are every day? You know, it's real. You said some. That's true. What you said is real. You know, some of these young guys, I tell them stuff, and they kind of look at me like, yeah, I got it, I got it. You know what I'm saying? And I really don't know if they got it. You know, at the end of the day, this, they are young, and sometimes it takes experience. I was probably the same way when I started in 06 when the, the vets was telling me something. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I hear you, you know, but you really didn't hear them. Um, so hopefully these guys understand where we at. Um, this is a great opportunity. See, they some of them haven't been here. I've been here for five years, and I had some of the worst seasons I ever played here. And uh, now that we have a great opportunity and a great team, I hope that these guys really see that. You know, it's going to mean so much more to you because you've been through what you've been through there when you've been down near the bottom and now you're trying to get back to the top. It, it means so much more. It's got to be so much sweeter. So it's about the big picture, but your name is coming up in Pro Bowl conversations once again. What would it mean to you to be named to yet another Pro Bowl, and especially at this stage of your career? It'll mean a lot, to be honest with you. Playing at 33 um, and still going out there playing at a high level, um, and my peers see that, the fans see that. Uh, it'll mean a lot to me. That just shows everything I'm doing on the off season, doing in this facility is paying off. And uh, I'm just glad that I'm still able to play at a high level. Rex in the ABQ. Rex, what's up? Romeus Decimus Meridius. What's going on? What's going on, Rex? How are you? I'm awesome. Hey, I just called Best Buy, and they're going to be delivering an almond-colored Hitachi microwave to you within the hour, so we'll take care of that for you. Thank you, man. Good luck. And uh, I'm sure Hawk will be christening that bad boy with a couple of pepperoni Hot Pockets. But I'm not sure that Hawk knows that they make vegetarian pockets now for those who don't want to eat meat but still want explosive diarrhea. Ah. You don't like that oh, like Great, that Rex. Problem. Thanks a lot. I'll look forward to that almond-covered microwave oven. Drew in West L.A. writes via email, Jim, diarrhea is the great equalizer. Diarrhea doesn't care who you are, where you are, or what you're doing. He's coming. Signed, Jim Rome, circa 2006. He did that in response to me running a caller who was talking about explosive diarrhea. And my response was, look, we're not, it's juvenile. It's sophomoric. It's beneath me and the quality of my program. I'm not going there. And Drew said, oh, really, Rome? You're not going there. How about you and uh, circa 2006? 
And my response was, I didn't say that. I didn't think that. However, on the off chance that I did say that, why don't you produce evidence of it? And if you have evidence of it, I will own it and be accountable for it. Just like I demand accountability and ownership from everybody else in the sports world. And lo and behold, somebody has produced audio of me saying that. So Alvin, why don't we find out? Did I, in fact, say what Drew in West L.A. says that I said circa 06? Let's when you listen. get right down to it, diarrhea is the great equalizer. Think about it. Diarrhea doesn't care who the hell you are. It's coming. He doesn't care who you are or what you do or where you are. He's coming. That's what makes the guy so dangerous. Now, I don't know if this is some great urban myth or legend, and I can only say that I've heard this. I've never known anybody to try this. I don't know whether or not it works, but I've heard this from more than one source. Yeah, I got cops who listen to the program. Tell me if it's true. I've heard that about the only way to get out of a speeding ticket is to play that card. Uh, 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 hey, anyway, what's popping, Twitter? That, That obviously wasn't me. That was one of those millions of Jim Rome impersonators that were everywhere. That obviously was not me. You know that was not me. That pretty much was me. I guess I did say that back in the day. Hey, listen, uh, first of all, I said it. It was me. I'm accountable. I will own it. Drew in West L.A., I apologize. You had it right. I'm sorry, Drew. I agree it doesn't care. Hey, that's okay, Alvin. We got the point. We got the point. Uh, I stand corrected. Hey, listen, I'm not going to be one of those guys who has an apology and then explains, hey, if I offended anybody, I'm truly sorry. I will say that I've had, I don't know, like 5 million takes over the past 30 years. You might imagine where I might have forgotten one or 100. Hey, Drew, how do you even know something like that? Was that, was that such an unforgettable take, Drew, that, oh, yeah, really, Rome? How about that time when you said this? If I didn't remember saying that, how did you remember that I said that? Clearly, the internet is in ink, and so is all the audio. I cannot believe that somebody produced audio of something I said that I didn't remember that I said. That was from 06. And how about me referring to diarrhea as that guy? That guy's coming now, and there's nothing you can do about it. He doesn't care who you are. Diarrhea's coming off the edge, man. There's no way to block him. Hey, let me ask you something. All right, so this is the way the world is. That's great. That Literally, that's perfect. That's how this show sounded in 06. Are you really going to say to me that that show was better then than it is now? Wait, don't answer that question. Luckily, I need to get out. It's been a really forgettable topic. I'm going to do my best to forget it. Like I had forgotten that take, apparently. Hey, Drew, are you pretty happy with yourself? You should be. Well, I didn't find William McGinnis. And now I gotta find Delaney Walker. So I'm gonna start to. We got the point. Alvin! Come on, man! And that's it. Day number two in the new crib. And today, my friend, was a damn good day. I plan on having one more tomorrow, too. So TGIF, the grind includes Friday. Check back early tomorrow. See you then. I'm out. We've got all the news right here. I'm gonna stop you right there. I see you about to settle on a day old donut for breakfast. Well, this is a chick intervention. Cause McChicken Biscuits and Chicken McGriddles are now at McDonald's. So just hit that drive through and change your life. For breakfast, you got this. 
Wake up breakfast. Say good morning to McChicken for breakfast. Right now at your local McDonald's, you can mix and match two chicken McGriddles or McChicken biscuits for just $3. Price and participation may vary at participating McDonald's for a limited time.